This is Michael J. Fox. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Learn more about the Michael J. Fox Foundation's work and how you can help speed a cure at michaeljfox.org. Navigating Parkinson's disease can be challenging, but we're here to help. Welcome to the Michael J. Fox Foundation podcast. Tune in as we discuss what you should know today about Parkinson's research, living well with the disease, and the Foundation's mission to speed a cure. Free resources like this podcast are always available at michaeljfox.org. Hello, welcome to the Michael J. Fox Foundation Parkinson's podcast. I'm Brian Roberts, Associate Dean of the Park School of Communications at Ithaca College. I'm also a member of the Michael J. Fox Foundation Patient Council and guest host of today's episode. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease 12 years ago when I was 30. I'm 42 now. I have a very busy life and Parkinson's is just part of it. I see a lot of thinking about what it's like parenting with a chronic disease or chronic illness, something like Parkinson's. Now, parenting, as we know, can come with its own challenges. And having a chronic illness can make those challenges even tougher. But there's been an unexpected side effect. And that's actually enriched my relationship with my daughter and with my loved ones around me as I parent with Parkinson's disease. I maybe spend more time in the moment, more time reflecting about the time spent with the individuals I care about. And really, I value every day I'm with them. And To bring that into my parenting only makes me, I like to think a better father, a more communicative dad, and someone who just loves being around his daughter. Earlier, I was able to speak to three adult children of fathers who have Parkinson's about their experience, about what it was like growing up, and really how it's impacted them now as adults in relation to having a father who has a chronic illness. And hey, What great timing. This weekend is Father's Day. So let's go to the conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Thank you for joining me. Uh, Before we really get down to our conversation, can I just ask you to introduce yourselves? Maybe who you are, what you do, where you live, because I always think that's important, and uh, how old you were when your father was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So Akbar, could you start us off? Yeah, so I'm, I'm Akbar Bajabiamila. I host the TV show American Ninja Warrior. Uh, I've now been with the Michael J. Fox Foundation for a couple of years now. And my father uh, was diagnosed back in 1998. Actually, he was misdiagnosed in 1998, properly diagnosed in 2000. And so this was a year after my high school graduation. So I was about 18, 18 19 years old at the time of his diagnosis. I live in California, the Sunshine State, the real Sunshine State. So I'm Kathy Lee Crane. I'm an experimental filmmaker, have been doing that for a quarter of a century. Um, I also teach young people how to make movies or how to think about them. I live in Ithaca, New York. I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, my father was diagnosed with Parkinson's in uh, 2008, and I was 46. So I'm Sam Fox. I'm also in California. I uh, do independent film finance. My dad was diagnosed in 1991 when I was about two years old. And then he sort of came out publicly as having Parkinson's in 1998. Uh, so it's been, it's been a process. There have been a couple different stages. Great. Well, welcome to all three of you. 
it was interesting that part that you said uh, misdiagnosed, because I think it can be challenging to say, you know, I was diagnosed X, Y date. Oftentimes it is a process. I remember when I first started experiencing symptoms, I went online to see what could be bothering me. And I remember saying to my wife at the time, I said, I either may have Parkinson's or I have ovarian cancer. <laughs> you know, WebMD, you can, can have anything you want. Um, the, the good news to that story is- my how, did you know, how, did, how did you know I wasn't ovarian cancer? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I was a communications major, so uh, didn't really get into the anatomy. <laughs> so the, I think the interesting thing for all three of you is uh, you were each uh, kind of informed of your father's uh, diagnosis at a different stage in your life. And I'm curious if that has an impact on kind of how you, uh, how you experience the disease, how you process it. So Kathy, can you start us off? What was your reaction uh, when you got the news? You're in your 40s, right? Yeah, I mean, like anything that's heavy in our family, we usually sit down as a family. So I think even though we're all far flung and around from Hawaii to New York, we're everywhere. So we probably were seated at a living room somewhere. Um, my feelings about it were that it was probably inaccurate, that it seemed to me like a strange thing to, to suggest because he didn't have the thing I only ever associated Parkinson's with, which was, you know, tremor. And he didn't have that. So I'm like, well, how did they diagnose this as inaccurate? It took me a while to realize that you're only diagnosed with Parkinson's based on physical symptoms, manifestations. So there were other things that were definitely happening and became more pronounced for my father, specifically um, his speech. Uh, Sam, you were quite young. Was there a time that you noticed that your dad had Parkinson's or was it just you know, something you grew up with? Yeah, no, for me, my dad was always, there was never a distinction. It was always my dad who has Parkinson's. There was no before. Because I was, you know, younger than three when he was diagnosed. And that was after he had been, you know, trying to figure out exactly what was going on for a while. So he, he had been, you know, not as symptomatic as, as he is now, because obviously it's progressive, but he had been symptomatic. So for me, my whole life, I mean, my sisters have always called him shaky dad. Um, that's just who he is and, and part of the identity. So I never had that moment. Well, it's some combination of I never had that one moment where I was presented with this fact where this is a thing that my dad is going to have to struggle with forever. It was a series of moments because every single time, you know, there was some change in his prognosis or there was some difference in circumstance, it interrupted that normality a little bit. Um, but I think probably overall, because there was no before for me, it was just during I mean, it's all, it's all been during, um, I think that's probably put me in a place where it's a little bit different than, you know, if I had to have that experience where I had to sit, sit down and have someone give me information, it just sort of was absorbed. For me, I was 18 years old, uh, 18, 19 years old when it happened. So, but, uh, excuse me, you're old enough to feel like you're on your own, but you're young enough to where you still need your parents. And for me, I still needed my dad, even though I was flexing because my muscles were popping and I thought it was a big deal because I was going to college, playing football. And I remember getting the diagnosis. I got a phone call. Um, my dad was at my brother game, my younger brother's high school game, and he passed out. And I thought that was 
you know, weird, maybe he'd been working hard or, you know, something like that. Then they took him to the hospital. So, you know, there was that concern. And um, I'm just thinking, ah, you know, he'll, he'll be all right. And then they said it was a stroke. And I'm like, a stroke? Why would he have a stroke? A couple of years later, you know, it's, it's uh, Parkinson's. I just couldn't believe it because my dad was still like Superman to me. Uh, and I think that was the hardest part is thinking that Superman could somehow uh, be affected by anything outside of kryptonite, you know, and I didn't want to believe it. And so, and I feel a little shame in saying this. And I think depending on where you are in that stage, um, and for me, I was at a very vulnerable stage. I think the older you get, the more empathetic because you've had a little bit more life to live and you've seen different things. I didn't have enough repetition to see life. And so I thought my dad was faking it. I just said, ah, dad's faking it. He's trying to, you know, working his butt off for so many years to take care of all seven of us. Clearly he's done and he just don't want to say he wants to retire. I, I swear, these are the thoughts that went through my brain. I'm like, come on, dad, like you can. Yeah. And then uh, it was just a weird thing. And then, but once it kind of set in, maybe about a year later, I think it was after I graduated from college. I graduated in 2001 from San Diego State. And I think it was then I go, oh, like, this is a real deal. Because at this time, he had stopped working for maybe a couple of years now as a plumber. I'm going, oh, shoot, like, there's nothing. This is my dad. And I think that's when the reality hit me that, you know, this is a big deal. And for years and years, I just didn't know what to do. Yeah, I think that's what interests me so much about the disease. I would say, as an academic, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I wish I didn't have it, but I find it very interesting that it, it's very individual. And I think uh, we each approach it differently. Akbar, your story really uh, resonates with me because I was diagnosed at 30. I was not the nicest person at 30. You know, I was self-centered. I really cared about my hairline more than anything. Actually, I still do. Um, I mean, life is full of disappointment. Um, but, you know, it's humbling. It's It's comes in fits and starts, but I think ultimately uh, you learn to manage it as a family. And that brings me to my next question. Um, I just finished a book called Ending Parkinson's Disease. And in the book, they talk about how uh, Parkinson's, the rate of Parkinson's diagnosis has doubled. And I believe it says by 2040, it will double again. It's about 12 million people diagnosed. That's staggering. That's a lot of people. But it's also a lot of people who have children, right? It's a lot of families. So I was thinking about that. So my question would be, um, given that there's going to be this rise in it, if you had to sit down with a family, not just the person, but the entire family, is there advice you would give them, kind of knowing what you know about the disease now? Maybe, Akbar, do you want to start on this one? I would say lean more on like a, and again, I'm saying it because we're talking here, you know, Sam, obviously with your father, but with the Michael J. Fox Foundation, but it's a tremendous resource. I think once you go online, I think like anything else, like I teach my kids, it can web you in 40 different directions. And so, and maybe even more actually, but it can be overwhelming when you hear somebody says this, but then there's treatment over here and then that says that, and there's something. And before you know it, you need one main source that allows you to be able to kind of navigate like a point guard uh, to use a basketball um, analogy. As a Knicks fan, your competent point guard analogy is lost on me. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 stop it. It's all about the Lakers. It will always be about the Lakers. <laughs> 
Many family members are surprised and pleased to learn that they can play a role in Parkinson's research and help prevent the disease. For many, research is a way to show support for a loved one. The Parkinson's Progression Markers Initiative, or PPMI, is enrolling family members of people with Parkinson's. People over the age of 60 are especially needed for the study. Get started at michaeljfox.org slash podcast dash PPMI. Uh, Sam, do you have any uh, advice you'd give to a family? Yeah, I think, I mean, what's interesting, sort of the perspective I have on this is that I, when in almost any interaction that I have, one of the two or three things that most people know about me, you know, before they've even met me is that my dad has Parkinson's. So I sort of a lot of, I'm in a, a sort of unique position, I think, where a lot of people come up to me who I don't necessarily know or friends of friends. And I get this question a lot. I get hey, my dad was just diagnosed, um, you know, I'm 15, I'm 18, I'm 20, I'm 30. Uh, what does he do? What do I do? And obviously, like Akbar said, I mean, the first thing that I always do is, is direct people to the, to the foundation because, because it is a great resource. But also, I think one of the most important things to remember, um, to remember about Parkinson's, and Kathy, you said this earlier, is that it's such individual disease that you really don't want to, you know, see one person who you hurt as Parkinson's and use that as a model. This is what your dad's going to look like in five years, in 10 years, either way, because you just don't know. And I think that's when you can get into, a, as a family, a weird sort of headspace when you're either looking at someone who's, you know, 20 years in and, and fairly asymptomatic, or you're looking at someone who's 20 years in and, and severely symptomatic. And an important thing in my life that I sort of had to come to grips with is for any given person, you don't know what it's going to look like in five years. And that's A, the scariest thing, but B, also the thing that, that sort of gives you some hope and also gives you something that you can sit down and talk about as a family is we're going to be there for you, dad, as this goes. And, you know, we don't, we maybe know what it's going to look like tomorrow and then the next day. But once you get farther than that, we don't know. And, and you know, I see a lot of my role as, as the son of someone who's going through this to, to sort of be there for them. And that's the sort of advice that I give a lot of people is just, you know, unfortunately, it's a disease where you have to react a lot more than, than you'd like to. It's not, it's hard to be proactive. So being there for someone, you know, just having that understanding that you don't know what's next, that's the hardest thing to get your head around. But once you get your head around it is the way that you can be the most supportive and, and sort of be the most at peace with your situation. You said something so true. Um, one of the things that I remember like with Muhammad Ali, uh, the late Muhammad Ali is that obviously his speech started to deteriorate and that, you know, and again, that's the image, oh my goodness, this is gonna, but that hasn't happened with my father. Now his speech has slowly started to get, you know, softer and softer and sometimes depending on where he is, higher up, but I mean, he can obviously, and even with a thick Nigerian accent, I can still understand him. And, you know, so it's not the same. So it's not, it's different for everyone. True that. Yeah. And I think it's really important, this idea of it being progressive, uh, that it's, you know, it's not going to be identifiable. It's discreet in any given moment. And I think that two things that sort of stood out for me for my dad's care was, first of all, he was in Phoenix, which is where the Muhammad Ali Center is. So there's a lot of doctors there who are quite skilled in the diagnosis and the guidance through medications and new things that are being developed. So he had a great neurologist. And that is crucial, I think, to have someone in your camp who's 
you know, a really great guide in the journey. Um, so that was the first thing. The second thing that became clear to me over time was it essentially is a disease that turns involuntary physical action into voluntary action, like speech, which just spills out of us. But suddenly when it becomes, uh, you know, truncated or problematized, whatever, through a stuttering, for example, then you have to like learn how to enter a word, learn how to enter a sentence, how to sit down, how to speak with greater volume, all of these things that are involuntary, usually. So that's intense. And then at the same time, you start to see, like my father was older when he was diagnosed. So you're also starting to see other things like a certain loss of executive function. So when you have to be voluntary, it requires that you also have executive function, which was not exactly, that was also deteriorating. So my role as his daughter was actually to be his external executive functioner sometimes, where I'd be like, slow down, take a breath. It's a much more interactive kind of um, disease, actually. I cultivated a much more intimate relationship with my father as a result. To that point, Kathy, I think what has been interesting to me is exactly what you're saying, which is you have to realize, or, or it either happens or it doesn't, but at some point you're going to figure out that it takes all of this brain power to be a person with Parkinson's disease, yeah. no matter sort of what phase you're at. And that's something that, that can get lost on you if, if you're not, you know, because obviously I'm not going through it, but, but it's something I talk to my dad about a lot is this, he has to constantly think about every single thing that he does whether it's, you said, talking, sitting down, the volume of his voice. If he's going to open the fridge, he has to figure out exactly where his hand is going to be, you know, to hit that handle. And that makes it so that you're always multitasking in a way that I think a lot of people take for granted when you sort of have, you know, when you don't have Parkinson's. And that for me and my family has been something that's taken us a long time to sort of really come to grips with and be able to help with is, you know, He's always doing something else. You're never going to catch my dad doing one thing because he's, no matter what, he's dealing with his disease in some way or shape or form. So you have to understand that the conversation you're having is the second thing, the second most important thing that he's thinking about right now, because the most important thing is, is my left foot where I think it is when I'm about to take this step or, or whatever. And that to me has been something that, even though obviously I've been, in this process for a really long time has taken me a long time to learn and something that that I think that the sooner you can figure out that patience to have with someone with Parkinson's, the better. Because what seems like slowness, especially in thought, um, isn't. It's just, you just have to give them a second sometimes because there's so many things that you can't even imagine going on in their brain. Um, yeah. And that's, that's something I've learned. Uh, Brian, you can probably speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, th that's a great point. I, I think the challenging thing about Parkinson's too, and perhaps the, the hopeful thing is, like I think all three of you said, if you have a good care team, you can really kind of move things along, right? But you have to come to a place where you're willing to accept the team. Yeah, I was so surprised with my father's speech decay because he, he was an orator at the church and he taught speech and drama for 30 years. So it was a thing that he was about. And so it was very intense mm -hmm. to see this decay. But he discovered in Phoenix that he could still sing. 
So he joined this group called the Tremble Clefs. They were founded in Phoenix and they've been around for, for 20 years. And it's phenomenal. It, it's just, he sings in a group of diagnosed people with Parkinson's and their caregivers. And it's just a beautiful thing. And there were times where we were like, okay, dad, you want to say something, sing it. <laughs> There's just something about that, that takeoff of song that allows the words to flow. But that was a blessing. That was a real blessing that he had access to the trumpet clefs. It is. There are a lot of things that can surprise you. Like, uh, you know, walking for me can be tough, but dancing, I can do really well. I mean, um, not everyone would agree with that. Uh, Someone's judging you. Circles, I'm being a great dancer. They're not circles you'd want to be around. But it actually brings me to my next question. So you guys have gone on this journey uh, with Parkinson's. Has there been anything that has surprised you? Like, Sam, um, you have no clue where this is going to go, but have there been things that maybe are there that you didn't expect to be there, or has your expectations been met? Um, what has it been like? Yeah, no, that's, that's a very good question. I mean, I think, again, what has been, been great for me, and I, and I would recommend this to, to everyone in whatever form it can take, I happen, obviously, I've been around my dad my whole life, but I've been around a lot of people with Parkinson's my whole life because of my dad and because of the foundation. So. So I have really seen every you know color of the rainbow when it comes to symptoms and what people look like at various stages of the of the disease. And for me, the the surprise isn't necessarily oh hey it can go in this direction. It's just what direction is my dad's specific case going to go in? And I think that being educated and keeping an open mind and understanding, uh, like we keep saying, this is a progressive disease. It's it's very hard to, to say, okay, in five years, this is what your dad is going to look like. And for me, I found the most success in just sort of being where I am now and, you know, whatever that looks like, where, being understanding where he is now. And, and it's definitely been surprising. I mean, you know, Kathy, you were saying your dad was a great orator. I mean, my, I come from a, a similar thing where my dad obviously has used his expressions and, and speech his whole life to, to sort of make his point. So when that started to decay a little bit and, and uh, you know, in recent years. And he started, um, you know, not being able to act as much as he'd like to and, and sort of it ended up with him channeling his, his focus into the foundation, which is probably mm. great for everybody who's sitting here. Definitely. But for me, that was always a surprise was I always, my dad, especially was someone who was so quick. Um, like that was in every sense of the world, he, word, he was quick. You know, athletically, he was quick. Mentally, everything was very fast. And he still is, but you just have to give that second to, you know, the, the quip doesn't come necessarily as fast. And it's not because he didn't think of it five minutes before you said whatever he's reacting to. It's just maybe it takes him a little bit longer to express it. And that, to me, has been the surprise, has been seeing what's still there because everything is still there. It just maybe expresses itself a little bit differently and becoming okay with that. And me becoming okay with that, him becoming okay with that, um, sort of understanding the, the sort of changes that are going to come in your general day-to-day. -day. I mean, it's things like, and I talk about with this with him all the time, you know, there are certain restaurants that I'm not going to take him to when he comes to LA because they're just too loud. And I'm not going to be able to hear anything he says. And I know that it's going to set up frustration for everybody involved. And, and things like that, and, and they're little choices, but that paying attention to, you know, he would never say, I don't want to go to this restaurant. It's too loud in a million years. He doesn't want to be that person. But me 
sort of understanding, okay, you know, I'm just not going to put him in that position. Um, those kinds of little things, I think, go a long way. And that's the kind of thing that, that I'm constantly reacting to and, and, you know, trying to make sure that I'm there for him. That's great. This has been a great discussion. We're almost at the end of our time already. I mean, it's been so much fun. We've covered uh, Parkinson's symptoms, the Knicks, and uh, you know, a wide range of other issues. But um, so we'll have to do this again. But Father's Day is approaching this Sunday. You know, being a parent, not, not just a father, but being a parent is challenging, as we all know. Do you have any advice to fathers out there, whether they have Parkinson's, whether they don't, what piece of advice would you give having a father who was important in your life and, uh, and obviously very influential? Give you a second to think about it. Kathy Crane, can you start us off? Well, it's interesting, this idea of slowing down, which Parkinson's forces on uh, someone. And so if you don't have Parkinson's, I would strongly recommend that you slow down so you can have those relationships that are that occur in the moment. We've all had this experience with the COVID slow down. It's a it's a totally beautiful orientation for intimate relationships. And and I think that the thing about my father who passed away and I miss him. I miss seeing him. And that is something you don't lose in a father or a parent who has Parkinson's. They are still there. They really are there. Someone told me once, yes, Alzheimer's, you lose your mind before your body. Parkinson's, you lose your body before your mind. And I really knew he was there. I could see him there. So be present, slow down. My dad says, he calls me Kemi. Kemi, slow down, slow <laughs> down. You go, 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 go. And so um, I, I would say the same thing. And it, during COVID-19, it was kind of a time to go, you know what, a time to a huge pause and take that time in with, with family. So I've done that. So um, yes, I'm with you. Take time to pause. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I, I think, obviously, like you said, I've Kathy, you said it, it really well. But I, I think another thing to, to talk about and, and to gets into advice territory is something that we've talked about a little bit, which is the sort of openness and honesty that has to come with, with Parkinson's and with a diagnosis. And I think that for me, a piece of advice is to just for, for someone whose loved one is going through it and for someone going through it is to just really be as sort of honest and open as you can be with the people that you care about. Um, I think that makes things easier for everyone. And I think that's sort of good advice for everyone, <laughs> you know, regardless of your, of your status uh, uh, with Parkinson's disease. I think the more that you can realize that people want to be there for you, that there are people who care about you and, and to sort of, you know, for lack of a better word, take advantage of that and really sort of be open and honest with your symptoms and how you're feeling. Um, that can really help everyone around you deal with the situation and make your life happier, ultimately. Um, and I think that's something that has taken us a while to learn. I mean, I mentioned when we first started this conversation that my dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 1991 and sort of came out publicly as having it in 1998. And sort of since then has been really open with everything, um, you know, not just with me and my family, but with the world. And I think that that has helped him. And I know it's helped me 
really go through this process because when I know, you know, when I have a sense of where he's at, I can deal with it. And I think for him, you know, not to put words in his mouth, but I know that, that it makes him more comfortable knowing that everyone's on the same page and knowing that, that we get, we understand at least a little piece of what he's going through because he's willing to share that with us. Mm -hmm. Um, and that to me is meant a lot. And I think that that's something that can relate to a lot of aspects of your life and not just disease management, but family. Yeah. I, you know, I don't have much to add. I think uh, acceptance and um, is probably the best thing you can do, right? If you become comfortable with the disease and uh, I don't see it as a battle, I see it managing it, but you have good communication with your family. I, I, those seem to be the people who live the best lives with this disease. Let me add one more thing. Take the time to express how much you want to be appreciated. I think it's one of the hardest things for fathers to do. Um, if you look at advertisements and you look at it, it's probably one of the more play down um, thing. Oh, hey, it's Father's Day, good time, boom. And I think fathers, and even for me too, it's very hard for me to express that I want to be appreciated. But I think every human being, that the one thing we have in common, we want to be valued. We want to know that we matter. And, um, I, and I think sometimes in the background, um, and they think that, oh, I'm not supposed to speak up, I'm not supposed to be celebrated, but fathers matter to their kids, to their wives, to the people that, you know, they love and that love them. So I take time to actually uh, say you want to be appreciated. <laughs> Great advice. Well, guys, this has been a blast. Um, we'll have to do it again. Kathy, Sam Akbar, thank you so much for your insight, your humor your time. Well, that was a lively and informative discussion. Parenting with Parkinson's can be challenging, but let's be honest, parenting alone is challenging. And we should all realize that we're not in it alone. There are plenty of resources, plenty of support systems to help us all. And we serve as one of those here at the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Check out our Ask the MD videos, Third Thursday webinars, blogs, and other educational resources like this podcast at michaeljfox.org. And while you are there, consider enrolling in the Parkinson's Progression Markers Initiative or the PPMI study. Whether you have Parkinson's or not, join the study that could change everything at michaeljfox.org slash podcast dash PPMI. That link is also below in the show notes. On behalf of all our guests today and everyone at the Michael J. Fox Foundation, who is here until Parkinson's isn't, I'm Brian Roberts. Thanks for listening and have a very happy Father's Day. Thanks for listening. Community members like you are bringing us closer than ever to a world without Parkinson's disease. Learn how you can support the Michael J. Fox Foundation in its mission at michaeljfox.org. This is Michael J. Fox. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Learn more about the Michael J. Fox Foundation's work and how you can help speed a cure at michaeljfox.org.